0: A number of years ago, I was invited to the cultural centre to attend a police remembrance service for the Roma district. Anyway, an officer from the, from the Roma station got up to do the Bible reading. And I can't remember what the Bible reading was, but I can certainly remember one word in that reading, mercy. Because he was reading along very fluently, mind you, and he got to the word mercy and he went, Mm, 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 And he stopped He went back and started the sentence again. He just couldn't get the word out. So he started the sentence again and read it all very fluently and got to, (laughs) and he stopped again. And he went back to the start of that sentence again and read the same sentence again. And he stumbled on that word again. And I think it was finally, I don't know if it was the third or the fourth time, finally he got out, mercy. (laughs) I just felt so embarrassed for the poor man. But I also remember thinking to myself I hope this copper never pulls me up on the road I'll get no mercy out of him he can't even say the word and it seems to me a lot of us can be like that we have trouble getting the mercy out we want to be merciful we know we should be merciful we, we want to act mercifully we want to do this thing called mercy but we just can't get it out selfishness gets in the way fear of awkwardness gets in the way we try to be m- 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 merciful but we just can't get it out jesus said blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy he also told the parable of the unmerciful servant a king forgave his servant of an enormous debt a debt that could never possibly be paid back it was it was like a national debt type size level debt but that king forgave that servant of the all of that debt but then that servant he went out and he found another servant who owed him a not insignificant sum of money and he demanded that that other servant pay him back and that servant he pleaded for forgiveness please please i can't pay this debt back give me time and he refused And so he had him thrown into jail. And of course, when the king heard about it, he was furious about what this other servant had done to to the first servant, what the first servant had done to the second servant. he said, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all that debt. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay back all his debt. And it was a lesson on forgiveness. God has been merciful to us by forgiving our sins. Therefore, we must forgive others when they ask us for their forgiveness. And so it was a lesson on forgiveness. And as Jesus said, if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, our God is a merciful God. We also must be like Him. We also must be merciful. If we who have received mercy refuse to extend mercy, now I know that some people will argue with me because their theology won't allow for this. But biblically, it's very clear on this. If we don't forgive others, if we don't extend mercy, our heavenly Father withdraws His mercy for us. That's what the Bible says. Now, that's pretty. That's pretty tough teaching. That's a scary thought. When you know how much you depend on the mercy of God, imagine if he was to withdraw that. James is pretty clear here just how much we do depend on the mercy of God. If we break just one of the Ten Commandments at any time, we are lawbreakers and therefore we depend on the mercy of God for that forgiveness. So let's just do a little reality check here. I'm going to get you to put up your hand if you believe you depend on God's mercy for forgiveness. All right, put up your hand if you believe you depend on God's mercy for forgiveness. Yep, that's a pretty good reality check, isn't it? Of course we do. We all do. I do, you do. Our hearts have been filled with sin. Our actions have been acts of selfishness and pride and envy, of lust and anger and dishonour, of hatred and greed and faithlessness. And the law judges us. We are transgressors. We have broken God's law. But James comes out with one of the most amazing statements of grace that you'll hear anywhere And it's right there in the Bible. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Isn't that wonderful? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let me explain this. Without Christ, we have broken God's law, therefore we are guilty. But mercy triumphs over judgment. In Christ... God's mercy is shown to us. God's mercy is poured out for all who will receive it. The old covenant used to be, well it still is, keep God's law and when you break God's law, because because none of us are perfect, you will break it. There was a whole religious ritual of purification and sacrifice for the atonement of sin. But Jesus fulfilled the old covenant by bringing in the new covenant. Jesus became the sacrifice. They once used to sacrifice animals, whereas Jesus became the once and for all sacrifice. Jesus atoned for our sins. That means He paid for them. He paid the penalty of them as He was crucified on the cross. And so James can now use a new phrase for us. He describes those who are in Christ as being under the law of liberty All right it used to be under the law of judgment where we were you know, the judge would say yep you've done the wrong thing therefore you're guilty whereas now we're under the law of liberty because Jesus has taken that penalty for us but what does what does it really mean to be under the law of liberty it could mean a lot of things but in relation to mercy mercy it means that we first experience God's mercy and so therefore we must be merciful. When you experience mercy you're at liberty to pass it on, to, to, to share mercy with others, to give mercy. Because our Heavenly Father is merciful to us, As his children, we too must be merciful. And what is this thing that I'm talking about? Mercy. What is mercy? Now, we tend to think of mercy as having the power to destroy someone, to crush them and probably be justified in doing it because they've been so horrible to us. Um, But instead, we're very magnanimous and, and we let them off the hook. Or we might have the power to forgive someone and so in our mercy we forgive them. And these examples are true. These are examples of mercy but mercy is even more than that. The classical Greek usage of the word eleos which we translate as mercy, it actually begins with the emotions. It's what we feel. Mercy is when we come into contact with someone who has an affliction which has perhaps undeservedly come upon them. We feel for them. We feel empathy for them. And to be merciful means that because of these feelings of empathy that we have for them, we then translate that into actions and actually do something about it. And there's two reasons we fail to be merciful. Either we don't feel merciful towards that person, we don't feel empathy. Or there's something inside us that is moving us to be merciful. We are feeling this empathy, but we beat it down. We think better of it and think, no, I'm going to crush down those feelings. As we work our way through James, there's a great debate, which I'm going to have to keep bringing up over and over again, which is the relationship between faith and works. Some will say, by faith alone we are saved. We don't have to do any good works. James would say, faith and works must go together. Works without faith are useless. Faith without works is useless. We are saved by faith to do good works. But then somebody might reply, but but the only good that we can do is the good that God does in us. But the problem is, James is very much aware of the sinful nature of man. Even when God is doing something good inside of me, something that God is doing to change me inside, and he's wanting it to then express it out through the actions that I do, the sinful nature of Michael sometimes overrides that and goes, well, I know I'm starting to feel this, but no, 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 no. Don't do that, Michael. You have a bit of sense and have a bit of reason about what you're going to do. You, you know, you've just heard about all these people, their houses have burnt down and, and you've got this urge to give them some money to try and alleviate some of their suffering, but you haven't paid off your own house, Michael. Stop, stop, put away those thoughts. Be responsible. Or or you don't have to talk to that person. Somebody else will do it. You talk to your mates. Or, you know, Michael, if you're going to be obedient in what you think God's calling you to do, that's going to cost your family. Be responsible. And there's a conflict happening here, isn't there? Between the spirit and the flesh. The spirit is telling me how to act and the flesh keeps coming up with the greatest of excuses. No, 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 don't do that. At this stage, I reckon it'll be useful if I describe four categories of the way we humans express or don't express mercy. And these four categories, where you could actually relate them to anything um, to do with godly living. But today we're going to talk about it in relation to mercy. The first category... To not feel any mercy towards anyone or to somebody who's suffering and to be unmerciful in my actions is what I call lawlessness. The second category, to give mercy to somebody but hate every minute of it. Uh, That's where you know that it's your duty to be merciful But you don't actually feel merciful towards that person, but you just know that you have to do it, so you do it. That's what I'm going to call legalism. The third category is to have an inner compulsion, a prompting of the Holy Spirit, a deep feeling of empathy for this person who's in strife. And you have this desire to give them mercy But then you think better of it and you're unmerciful in your actions. I'm going to call that license. And the fourth category is when the Holy Spirit gives you empathy for that person and you feel merciful towards them and you are merciful in your actions to actually step out and show them mercy. I'm going to call that liberty. Do you understand this? Now, I'm pretty sure that every one of us will end to one of these four categories. I just want you to take a moment to consider which one of those categories you might be in. You don't have to tell me. I'm not going to ask you what category you're in. But I do want you to be honest with yourself. Which category are you in? Take a moment to work it out. How are you going? You picked one yet? Anyone need more time? If you can't, if you're sort of bordering between two, as long as you know that you're bordering between two, you just need to have an idea of what category you might be in. Now, of course, which category are we after? Number four. Is number four, the liberty. That's correct, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we get to category number four from where I am? Um, If you're in category number one, lawlessness, so you don't feel any mercy and you're not moved to mercy, you don't feel any empathy for the other person and you do nothing to help them, this is going to cut deep what I'm about to say. Because being unmerciful is sin. And you feel like sinning and you do sin. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. That's some pretty tough words, isn't it? But it's also pretty important that we hear them. You know, Sometimes we preachers, we, we like to skip out some of the hard bits of scripture and we sort of Want to keep our congregations feeling nice and happy, but we can't do that. This is very confronting. If you feel that you're in category number one, don't throw in the towel. The Lord wants, it, it, it talked about there about being born of God. We can't keep on sinning when we've been born of God. When you've been born again, when you've given your heart to Jesus, you can't go on like that. So if you feel you're in category one, don't just throw in the towel. The Holy Spirit wants to do his work in you today. No one can come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. And you wouldn't be here today, you wouldn't be listening to this message unless the Holy Spirit was drawing you. And the Lord doesn't want any of us to be lost. Remember this message is a message about mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And the Lord wants every one of us to experience his mercy. Even today. If you're in category number two, legalism, um, that's where you do your best to be merciful because you know it's something that you have to do, but you just hate doing it. I don't feel, actually feel empathy to that person. I I just feel duty bound that I have to do some good deeds because, hey, I'm a Christian after all. Well, you're not lawless because you love God's law, you're honouring God's law, but your heart isn't in it. Your heart isn't like your heavenly father's heart. And this can be because of one of two reasons. You could be like the Pharisees who tried really hard to keep God's law, um, but they rejected Christ. And they tried to be righteous by doing their own good deeds, which is legalism. They rejected Jesus and just tried to do the right thing themselves. That's one reason. Or maybe you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to live by the Spirit. You see, I can't change myself, but the Holy Spirit can change me. Um, for those, if you don't know who the Holy Spirit is, that's God Himself. When you become a Christian, you can invite God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and God actually comes to live in your life, and He starts transforming you to be more and more like Him. Where we can pray, Lord, give me a heart like Your heart, a heart of mercy a heart of righteousness, a heart of wisdom and compassion, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And as we spend more and more time with our Heavenly Father in prayer and reading his word and worshipping him and just delighting in the very presence of God, Holy Spirit will begin doing his work in your heart and changing you. What about category number three? My guess is a fair few of us may have identified ourselves as being in category number three. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. I'm going to give a bit of honest sharing now. I used to be in category number two. Uh, naturally, I am a very hard person. Uh, my personality type um, meant that my mercy meter would generally sit around about zero. Um, watch out if you're a sheepdog, when I was <laughs> on the farm. But over the years, I've gotten to know the Lord more and more, and as his word has cut my heart, And as I hand more and more of my life over to God, the Holy Spirit has been doing his work in me to change my heart. And I, who once used to have a mercy meter level of zero, tear up when the plight of the afflicted is before me. The seriously ill and the dying. The grieving husband who's just lost his wife. Um, for those who are living in abject poverty, the abused wife, the abandoned child, the lonely and the friendless, the persecuted church, the genuine refugee—somebody who's had to flee their country because of, because war has ravaged and destroyed their own town, home, city. Now don't get me wrong, I still have zero mercy for the lazy and disrespectful and the self-entitled welfare bludger. I, I don't suffer fools lightly, that's just the way I am. But more and more my heart is being moved for those who from the pit of despair humbly cry out for mercy. Only God can change a heart like what he's done to mine. But sometimes I feel for someone and I know the Lord is moving me to do something about it and for them. I might be feeling, I need to donate some money to this appeal, but something else inside of me says, no, 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 Michael, you've got a far better use for that money. Or I might be feeling, you know, the godly thing to do at this stage would be to invite that person home for lunch and let them experience the love of a family because they're not loved. They have no one. But then something else says, well that's gonna be awkward. You know, that person, they're, they're nothing like you. They're really not gonna fit in. You yeah, know, some people, you know they're gonna fit in as one of the members of the family and that other person, well, they're just a bit different to what we are and, you know, they mightn't be real good socially or they might be a really depressed sort of a person and, and, and so I sort of think, oh, no, that's going to make things awkward, so I, don't, I won't invite them. Or I might be feeling the Lord wants me to share my faith with a person. You know, They're unloved and the Lord wants me to help to bring them into his love. But then something else inside of me says, oh, somebody else will be far better suited to that. You, you, don't, know, you don't know enough about God. You're not very experienced in introducing people to Jesus. You know, um, Somebody else will have a far better connection with that person. You'll connect better with somebody else and you'll know when the time is. And And I talk myself out of it. And so we have the urging of the Holy Spirit and we crush it. Um, there's been times where I've been working out in the paddock and I've used a, an angle grinder um, and it's been a really hot and dry day and there's and there's grass around, really dry, tinder dry grass, and sparks of an angle grinder might spark over there, and over there, and over there, and all these little spot fires start off all over the place. And you've got your thing on grinding away, and they go, fires! And then of course, what are you doing? You go, put that one out, and that one out, and that one out. You know, the Holy Spirit's like a fire. And he starts kindling a fire inside of us, a fire for us to start to show mercy to people, to show mercy here and to show mercy there and to show mercy there. And we go, <laughs> and we, put, we keep putting it out. And this is what this entire section of James is speaking to. If you identify a little bit with category number three, well, James is the book for you. Verse 12 says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Stop crushing mercy. That's what he's saying. Go with it. Live it. Live the law of liberty. The Lord has shown you mercy. He's putting mercy in your heart. And what do we do? We crush it. Now, some of us, we sort of think, oh, if only, you know, I know a few super spiritual people. It's like God speaking to them all the time. You know what? Every time you have that little spark, that little flame, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And sometimes we just wish that God would speak to us. Well, guess what? He is We've just got to stop putting the gag in every time he speaks. The Lord has shown us mercy. He's put this mercy in our hearts. And the Lord does not give us endless mercy so that we can control it and meter it out in small doses that that suit us and won't cost us and then we can hide it whenever, whenever we actually don't want to show mercy. I have to stop my justification that I keep coming up with for being unmerciful. And so do you. And stop telling yourself that that's legalism. It's not legalism. This is the law of liberty. It's what living by the Spirit is all about. The Holy Spirit tells you inside what is the right thing to do. That is what we were promised would happen when the Holy Spirit comes. The law would be written on our hearts. You wouldn't have to read it in your Bible. Oh, I have to care for the poor. Because the Holy Spirit is telling you, I have to care for the poor. To live by the Spirit is to be obedient to the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to be obedient to the Spirit? Well doesn't mean we just do it in our hearts. It means we have to be obedient. We actually do it. So when you feel mercy, express mercy. I heard someone talking the other day about the need for us to repent of our good works. What a load of rubbish. He was like a hyper-evangelical thinking, saying, you know, we, we us doing good things, we've got to repent of that. It's only what God does in us. The Holy Spirit urges us to express our faith by doing good works and he expects our obedience in that. The Holy Spirit urges us to express mercy and he expects us to obediently express mercy. There is no mercy in judgment for those who do not give mercy. Now, I think we've gone far enough for today, since it's Christmas holidays and all. But as I said at the beginning, um, I wasn't going to fit everything in today. So next week, we're going to put legs on it. And because James gives us some very practical examples of what it means for us to be merciful. And it relates to the way we we treat others, whether we're actually bigoted in the way we treat others. Um, it And he's going to give us more examples about how we relate to the poor versus the rich. This is not just an academic thing. It's not just what we feel inside. The Christian faith is a believing faith which is expressed in our actions. So next week we'll see the examples of, of this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for those amazing words that mercy triumphs over judgment. Lord, I want to thank you for your mercy. You are indeed a merciful God. But you're also a righteous God. And some of us just see you as a God of judgment a God who just judges us for everything that we've done wrong if only we could know you as you really are a God who judges with mercy the God who saves us from judgment with mercy I've heard people say before if we want to know what you're like all we have to do is look at Jesus and it is so obvious that Jesus was the perfect combination of righteousness, judgment, and mercy. I think it's in one of the Psalms where it says that justice and mercy kiss, where those two meet together. And that's only works in you. So, Lord, I want to thank you for your mercy. Thank you that our whole reason for getting together today is because of your mercy, so we can praise your name and share with one another what it means to be your disciples. But Lord, I personally found this Bible reading very confronting. Um, Sometimes when I read your word, it's like holding up a mirror to me and I can see exactly how I am and how you see me and, and how you would change me. And Lord, we realize that your Holy Spirit speaks to us and urges us to be merciful. Father, forgive us for those times when we've had those inner urgings but then we've just trampled them down and shut them off and go, no, that's not That's not what I do. That's not what we do here. And we've come up with the greatest excuses. God, forgive us. Lord, just as your mercy triumphs over judgment, Lord, help us to be merciful. Help us to share this triumph of mercy. In Jesus' name, Amen.